All right, here it goes. Three, two, one, and action. <laughs> Today's show, my guest is Caroline, and Caroline is from Ottawa, Ontario, Canada. Just like I always mention, this show is about meeting real people with real stories. There's no fluff. There's no bullshit. This is about real people. Today, I'm interviewing a star in a daycare center, and she's from Ottawa. Please make welcome Caroline. How are you doing, Caroline? I'm good, thanks. How about you, Marty? Um, th- I'm great. Thank you very much. Had a great day. We're doing this. Uh, we're, do- we're shooting this later at- in the evening. Um, it's 10 right. o'clock. It's 10 p.m. my yeah. time. Yeah, yeah. So you're, uh, you're on Eastern time, so it's, no, it's 9 o'clock for you. That's right. Still early. Thanks for skipping. Uh, you're, there's probably good TV shows like primetime, like CNN's primetime right now. So thanks for skipping CNN for me. Oh, if you only knew, I'm not, a, I'm not quite a big CNN fan. I, I don't follow the news, especially since COVID. I try to stay away, honestly. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so. so Caroline, you're uh, living in Ottawa. Yes. You're actually correct. a military daughter. So you bounced around a little bit throughout your life. I sure did. Yeah. And we'll get into that. Your father was in the military. Um, yeah. What did he do? He was an Air Force. Uh, now, I'm not, not sure exactly his position per se, but he worked in the communication sector of the Air Force. Okay, cool. Yeah. All right, nice. And so you bounced around quite a bit, I assume? That's right. At least uh, four or five times in my life. How was being a military daughter? Like, how is that? Like, I've, you know, I've met military children because we had a base here, number five in Moncton. Uh, right. Yeah. Many years, and so some of the military families would have to, would cross over here and live in Moncton. Right. Um, and it always seemed tough for the kids because you're bouncing around a lot. I'll be honest. What younger, I didn't realize it much. Uh, and then when I hit, you know, a bit of older age, uh, it got a bit tougher because the few friends you make you lose uh, after, you know, you move. So you kind of lose contact. So that kind of shapes you in a way that you want to build relationships. But after a while, you kind of build relationships to a distance because you realize, well, what's the point, right? You kind of think I'm going to lose that person anyway. So so that kind of, but later on in life though, when I was older as a child, it turned out to be a blessing to be able to move. So, and I'm sure we'll abort that subject later, uh, but it turned out to be a blessing, luckily. And since 96, I've been here in Ottawa. And I'm pretty much, for now, until retirement years, this is, prob- this is my home. So nice I'm and- glad to say I finally found a home, a place I can call home. Well, Ottawa is a beautiful spot anyways. And are you on the Ontario side? I am, yeah, just in the suburbs of uh, Ottawa called Orleans. Oh, yeah. I think, if I'm not mistaken, you may have been minutes from my home at the Shakeman Center. Yeah. And uh, you were with uh, the three males. That's literally a five-minute drive from my house. We were at a hotel, and then, and then the conference we were attending and the shows that we were having were not at the same hotel, so we had to, like, bounce around either in cabs or walk. And like oh, no. walking was like, 
where we were going to one of the conference centers, walking was only like 500 feet, but it was the worst walk or 500 meters, sorry, like half a kilometer, you know what I mean? Which is really not, not far at all. And um, yeah, man, it was so freezing that as soon as we got back to our hotel from like the from the day of conferences, we would just stay in the hotel. Yeah, yeah. So hopefully, if every, you know everything goes well and everything reopens again, we'll get to see you, and I'll be able to actually go and see you live and you know, the voice. Hopefully, yeah, so. yeah. I hope too. And uh, we had some shows planned for Ontario um, that we're starting to all to line up. So we'll see what happens down the pipe with this whole uh, pandemic and. And for those who don't know, I am a performing artist, a professional musician. That's what I do for a living. I've been doing that for quite a, quite a while now, also a concert promoter. So it, I've been in the entertainment and music business for about 16 years, 17 years now. Um, it's always been great to me, the entertainment business. And in the last three, four months, man, it's been, it's been weird, to say the least. Uh, when you look ahead it's not looking any better. It's not looking like there's going to be shows anytime soon. So it's kind of weird. And so that's why I decided to start a podcast while I'm sitting at home. And then the shows, I had about 45 shows booked with music um, up to August. And that's all been canceled. Right, right. And so I don't know about September. October, November. And really, we hadn't really confirmed any shows yet for September, October. It, like, we had a lot of talks and we were planning a fall tour, which would be another probably 20 shows because we were lining up for going up to Quebec. There was Ontario dates. And now it's just like, it's all just up in the air. And I can imagine, too, for you guys as a group, uh, just having to reevaluate everything and find your new norm because the norm you knew is pretty much gone. And just the sheer shock of that, I can just imagine, must be something out of the ordinary. And just, you know, mm. when, you speak, when you speak about mental health, that comes and triggers it mm. and hits you right, you know, hits you home, right? So... Hundred percent, I agree. And um, it could have went two ways for me. I could have, uh, at the start of the pandemic, I had like a dip for like the two, two or three first weeks. I was a little stressed, anxious, didn't know what to expect with all this. And about three or four weeks in, I started like caring and giving a shit about myself. And what made me realize, to be honest, there was a couple things. I was on the TikTok app. And there was a lot of inspirational people on TikTok. And then yeah. there was one guy who really, who really stood out to me. His name is uh, Eric. And uh, he's a great guy. He's going to be on one of my shows coming up too. Oh, Wick, nice. Wicked guy. Starting weight, 406 pounds. He's down to like 352 right now. And I think he's like 60, 70, 80 days in, I, I'll have to double check oh, wow. all that. But, but he is on a mission and he totally inspired yeah. me to start a mission. And then from there, turned, I turned it into a mission. I'm in day 50 today, day 50 wow. of my health mission. It's insane. That's, it's amazing what it is. That's awesome. So talk to me a little bit about 
being a military brat. <laughs> Sounds good. You know, how uh, was well, it? How, how was it for you? And how, how did it uh, shape you as a person? Well, honestly, um, it shaped me as a person in the sense that I came from a strict household. Like when my parents laid down the rules, gotcha. when especially my dad, um, mm. you listen, right? Like, you know, you don't mess with them. And uh, <laughs> especially back when, right in the 80s, the, you know, the little bit of spanking here and there was allowed. So, so a lot well, all this to say, I had always was by the book person, uh, a rule follower, um, never, you know, thought or had a desire to enter the wrong crowd, the wrong scene. Um, it was never something that interested me. Is this a perception that I have or did military families often the kids would end up being doing making wrong decisions? It's uh, it's probably legit in a lot of cases. And now I wonder whether it's just one of those you've been so tight with the rules that it's their way of rebelling, expressing themselves. Um, so I and that also, might. And probably also something that we're going to discuss and not being able to, the fact that you move a lot is not being able to maintain friendships and build long lasting friendships, especially in the eighties yeah. uh, yeah. or 70s or sixties before pre-internet, pre-smartphones, social media, all that stuff. Because now I'm sure yeah. being a military child is much different than it was in the eighties. Absolutely. Cause now you have the iPads, the electronic, whereas me growing up, I would move, but you know, you'd write the one or two letters and then that was it, right? You see, you kind of lost interest. You, you know, moved on to something else. You forgot about that friend. Right. Um, not in all cases, but that's more like to me, my own experience. Um, and I mean, I was okay with that. I learned to be okay with that. And that's part of my upbringing. I learned to be and make a circle of friends, be a good friend, but at a distance. You know, I always that little voice in the back of, uh oh, you know, careful, don't get too close because you're going to lose that person and it's, you're going to, you know, you're going to be heartbroken again and you're going to be sad, right? Like, you, so I've always. Do you, do, you, do you remember moments that you were heartbroken as a child? Yes. Um, the one time, the one, there was one friend that I was really, you know, attached to. And this was maybe when I moved in grade five. So we're talking 10, 11. Right where in friendships are starting to be an important thing to a person. Of course, of course. And of course I had to move. And that one friend I, you know, I, I, I lost. And um, uh, so that really, leaving her at that time really, really made um, we sad because we moved and then well, I never had the chance to grab her address. Of course, once you move, you, lost, you lose contact and we didn't have internet back then. So it's not like you can creep that person on Facebook. So that really made me, uh, that made me sad a bit. So did um, you ever, did you ever try to get in touch with her once social media? Started? Oh yes. Yes. Once Facebook came back, we touched basic bases again. So at least you know, uh, there was that, but for the few years in between there, it was, uh, 
and then you know when when I moved on to my next friends and that kind of it got better but yeah that that losing that one was uh was tough wow so uh so it is it is tough to 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 kind of bounce around like that and for you um I know we were chatting pre-show when we were talking about how to, you know fr- maintaining friendships and of course not wanting to be hurt again how was it you know and how, how was your experience with that let's get into that a little bit okay um well um let's move forward to high school yes i've been in ottawa since junior high grade seven entering grade nine and of course Back then, our grade seven and eight school was separate from the high school. So, of course, the grade nine, like any other high school, fresh start. Um, so already, um, because of my, pre- my past and my, pre- my previous experiences with uh, teasing in school, I had a very low self-confidence. I mean, it's still, I still somewhat do to this day, but at a very, very lower extent than I was when I was 13. So back then, I never th- thought, you know, that I was going to be the popular girl. I, and I knew, I knew, and I was fine with it. But I knew walking in, um, I wasn't going to have the big circle of friends. Um, you know, I was going to be friend-zoned by the guys, um, all this stuff, which, you know, uh, is all stuff that happened. But How, how do you know that? Well, that the friends the, about the friend zone or yeah like the friend or, zone or, or, yeah just how do you knew all that like not only the friend zone but just everything oh you i didn't i didn't knew in advance but i just you kind of have a hunch right because you go about what you see in movies what you hear from people what you see right. in other schools um if you're similar if your experience is similar than some other ones that mm-hmm. are living you know you kind of base yourself off of what society thinks, what society expects, and yeah. you kind of, you know, go with that. So. so you came, so you came to terms with that. But it really was that yeah. something that you wish you would have been popular. In that well, life? maybe not popular, but it would have been nice to finally, you know, have a big group of stable friends as a, you know, like be, to be part of a group, okay. and that that would stick, right? That right. you know. Um, which some which is something I never really had growing up. So right, so you've always kind of searched for that, never were, were able to find it. Which that's right. That's that right. that can be hard. I'm sure that would be tough on, you know, um, the feelings. Like there, there's probably yeah. a lot of probably a lot and of in only a way times looking and in a way looking back to to me having a lot of friends and you know. Uh, having guys like you was a way of being accepted right like if you had friends then oh you're cool oh well if you have a big circle of friends uh, or if you guys have some guys you know showing interest in you then you know you're not doing too bad for yourself it right? feels like, good and yeah for that's sure. yeah as a young so, girl and in development right. and all that that's sure. right that's so right it's a big so, confidence thing yeah exactly so i appreciate you sharing that because Hey, you know, it's okay. cool to get a perspective, a honest perspective in that context. Right. Because right, now right. I'm putting myself in the schoolyard. Yeah. And thinking about those nice. girls, you know, and I remember those girls that were you, you know what I mean? Yeah. 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 The friend and, but um, yeah. So, you know, and back then you just wanted your chance, right? Even though you're 13 and you don't know what love's about, you just want that acceptance. Right. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. Um, but 
um, in, in retrospect to that, um, I only had, you know, the select one or two friends. Um, and, but my personality had developed in a way that I had let my guard downs, right? Like when I had those two friends, mm -hmm. they were going through, struggling through major issues. Uh, one of them was dealing with abuse from her father, verbal abuse. Um, the other one um, had her own issues with depression, uh, was medicated for it, but it wasn't enough um, to help her. She was seeking therapy, but um, she was also self-cutting, self-harm. Okay. It comes out different ways, right? Some people cut, some people do drugs, some people drink. Yep. Yep. Um, so when I saw that that was happening, they would confide in me a little bit, you know, their troubles and what was going on because they had told me, you know, like, oh, Carol, you're such a nice person. We can talk to you. Um, like, thanks for being there for us. But I, I could not relate to them in any way because it was such a different world than mine. It, I had never encountered uh, these issues or people that, or going through this issue. So it was new territory for me. Wow. So a little, I was a little bit kind of taken back at first as to, man, like, how am I going to help these girls? Because um, they were struggling. And, you know, and of course, you, at a, after a while, they would hang out together because uh, on the weekends, um, because they, they were more fit to be tied together. Well, they understood each other, right? They were both struggling and they could... Yep. You know, kind of know what the other one was. Did going you feel? Through. Did you feel left out or? Absolutely. First? Yeah. Absolutely. That That's sucks. So, I I have two children, and um, I'm 42 years old. For for yeah. those who are wondering, because people are still getting to know me as well as a as the host of the podcast. My son is 16, or 15, sorry, and my daughter is about to turn 13. She's getting right there. She's like right oh. at that age, but she's a yeah. She's amazing and we'll see where it all goes. Yeah. Uh, you know, in the moments where I've seen my children sort of be shut out of a moment or whatever, and it's not intentional from, from any of the kids that it happened, no. but man, no. oh, it hurts so much. It feels, you feel so yeah. bad. So I just kind of put myself in your moment there and I thought, oh, that's yeah. a shitty feeling. Well, it's just to me too, uh, it was like another not a fail, but just one of those like, okay, well, more people that I can't connect with, right? And the thing is, is that um, I've been told um, I was, you know, nice. And I've always been told, oh, you're too nice. So my big heart uh, wanted to help these girls out. And a lot of times, you know, some people that I knew were like, oh, well, why don't you just leave them if, you know, like what, like, pretty much saying in there, not in directly in a direct form, what are you doing hanging with them? Right. Cause you're so different from them. But right. in my heart, I didn't feel it right for me to leave them. Like I, I felt if I, if I can stick in someone, somewhat help them, um, I would, I'm going to have done something right in the world. But in saying that sorry was there also a part of you that didn't leave them because maybe it was one of your only choices yes in yes. some ways up until grade 12 grade 12 i i had some more girlfriends yeah. that i had you know that were getting closer that was like yes. oh you should come and 
so have lunch with us or whatever and sometimes I did but um like I felt bad right like I felt like I had ditched them or like I you know but yep um yeah so I mean in my heart of hearts I you try to help them you try to say the right words um to help them get through this but on let's be honest they were not in a state of mind to hear my words um i i I was so clumsy at you trying to help them right because i've never you know been through this so you you go through the motions ah you know if you need to talk let me know it'll be okay but they're they weren't ready for that they weren't ready to accept the help they were too much in a dark place that to realize so how did it turn um, out for them well, um, just uh, last I heard, they both um, went to college. Oh, good. One um, had quit drugs because that was another thing on weekends. They would hang out with, uh, you know, um, again, people that did drugs and not heavy alcohol, like really, really heavy stuff, uh, which I never took part in because, A, they wouldn't want me to because they knew I was more, you know, cut and goody to shoes exactly and they didn't want for me to ruin my rep or just to get into that stuff right you were kind of the 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 goody two shoes left out that's right that's right so in a way but um but part like i said yeah. part of me always wanted to help them but it always came out wrong and you know the right words they weren't right. ready they just weren't so did they end up being okay or Yes, actually, uh, last I heard, um, they both were to, in college um, in different corners of the world, though. Um, one was in BC, and the other one, I think, went to another country, I forget, but they okay. moved away, far away. Um, but one of them got clean, sober, was doing great, and the other one was um, seeking help uh, for her cutting uh, and was working very hard to um get her life back in check well, that's and, awesome. uh, yeah yeah so and they both uh, have uh significant others and one of them has a little boy so oh, okay. they're i think they're doing okay for themselves yeah, well, last i heard there you go and that's a good thing and then yeah, um you absolutely. moved on to high school and you made some, yeah, some some new friends and stuff how did that go down absolutely oh great uh once i hit uh university you know i met my uh my my now husband and um, his friends became my friends and they had their, his friends had wives and we became friends. So that is now my new circle of friends and we're all mothers and we're all there for each other. And, you know, we kind of get together sometimes and shoot the, shoot the shit about our husbands and we have a, we have a good time. So now I can finally say, you know, I've got good stable relationships, um, you know, and, uh, but, uh, Still, though, you know, part of me kind of wishes that I knew exactly how to help people with mental health, how to help, you know, what words to say, what actions to do to really help. When you're legit in a situation. Help. Well, when people yeah. are yeah. In, on, you know, on a depression, right? Because you want to, like, mm. my, I, I want to help people, right? Because I've had some coworkers too. Uh, well, one in particular that, you know, was going through a really bad time last year. And I mean, um, you just said hi to her sometimes on her bad mornings and she would start crying right then and there in the workplace. And it's like, oh, well, you know, but 
as a person, you just want to say, hug them and be, and say, well, it's going to be okay, but they, they, they're that's going not through, they, yeah, they're going through a lot. So you, you're yeah, that's not what they want to hear. Yeah. Right? You're so, trying to be empathetic. I get it. You're trying to be empathetic, but at the same time, like they're living so much that like the hug and the, it's going to be okay. is just not cutting it. Exactly. Exactly. So that's one of the reasons why I reached out to you because, um, you know, I know that you have your, have had your own, um, mm -hmm struggles uh in life and i may i just was wondering maybe you know if you for me and your audience uh who want to help people with either depression anxiety uh substance abuse like if you had any you know words or thoughts or just concrete things we can do little gestures we can do to help really help them that's awesome you kind of turned the interview on me and i love it um <laughs> I'm gonna, uh, no, it's great because these are human discussions that we that everybody should be having. And uh, if anybody can be listening to this and, you know, there might be some parents out there who have children who have a friend that's struggling and they don't really know what to do and they're in a bind. Well, put it this way. You're not alone. OK, you're not the only one that's ever gone through this. And we're here. I'm here and um, we're talking about it. This is real. This is this is humanity now and uh it's bottom line so but my it, it's a good question that you ask and i think <clears throat> i think if there's any parents or any children young adults listening to this listening to this podcast if you find yourself in a situation where you have friends that are cutting themselves or that have bulimia or that have any like i'm throwing a couple names out but any mental health challenges or issues that are not known to anybody else but you and that this person tells you um you know just keep it between us you know it's our thing it's my thing and i, I you're my best friend and this and that that's a fucked up situation to be in first of all yeah so we, I empathize with whoever's going through and you've gone through that. And it's like, I, I really empathize with you and I feel bad for you because it's a shitty situation to be in. Yeah. Bottom Especially line. when you realize that they're that close to, you know, hitting rock bottom and rock bottom meaning, you know, could potentially mean a loss of life. Right. So hundred percent. We, in my, when I was in my high school years, we were called suicide high. <clears throat> I think we had, um, I'd have to verify. I know we had a minimum of six suicides in one year. There might've been more than that. Okay. okay? It was insane. Wow. It was, it was like a trend. Now, was that, was there any triggers to that or a trend up. to that or just? There, it was like a trend, but mm. it was just like, it was weird. Um, I'm going to combine a few things together of what made that. And we're going to come back to your question about how does a young person or how does an adult handle somebody that's having mental health issues and that's asking you like, you know, to be there or whatever, by telling you not to say anything, this, that, that we're going to come back to that. But this is going to like lead us there. Suicide high. In the 90s, it was the Seattle scene that had become really big, like Nirvana. So gr grunge music, punk music, and alternative music. So Pearl Jam, all that stuff. Every, all that yeah. was out. Yeah. 
And there was a weird vibe in that Seattle scene where drugs and like non-care about like life. Very, it was a very poetic scene. If you look at Kurt Cobain, for instance, mm-hmm. like I've watched a lot of interviews because mental health really intrigues me. And I think he had major mental health issues on top of drug addiction, et cetera, et cetera. But I've always analyzed that guy. And um, I've often analyzed Kurt Cobain and interviews and such to see the triggers, see the reasons. And um, all I can collect from him was like, you know, he was carefree. Like he didn't get, he was a rebel. He didn't give really a fuck about um, mainstream society. Um, He was a poet. I'm assuming they're the ones too that are, writing on paper what they're feeling and dealing most times. Yes, 100%. And it was the Seattle scene. And it was like a grungy alternative kind of rebellious scene. And like there was drugs Mm -hmm. and and there was always drugs. There was drugs in the 60s. There was drugs (laughs) drugs in the 50s. There was always drugs. But oh yeah, even like in the years with the Doors, Pink Floyd, uh, yeah. all those years, yeah. Yeah, exactly. But that's a different vibe. You have Pink Floyd and Led Zeppelin, you know, it was just a different vibe. It was more of like a hippie, whereas the alternative vibe, I don't know, there was something depressive about the alternative vibe. Yeah. There was something like everybody was kind of lost and trying to find themselves and didn't give a fuck about it. You know, instead of looking and searching and finding um, and putting a hand on a grip on uh, life, uh, they just didn't give a fuck to the point where they would die, kill themselves, overdose, whatever the case may be, suicide. And so Mm -hmm. I think that 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 alternative scene that was so big, it became mainstream, although it was alternative and it was like... um, rebellious it was still became the mainstream thing in the 90s for a few years and i think that had an impact on people that and when when there's a trend created um and there's like a mental health vibe created in a school with a bunch of teenagers influencing each other impact one impact after the other is impacting everyone and I think yeah. it became like a snowball effect in our school. Yeah, almost and, like an unwritten, uh, untalked about pact almost. Amongst. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and I think it really was all led to, all tied into the energy that had been created by one and two and three suicides and that impact that it was having, like PTSD, people were just, and some people just couldn't cope with it. He was like the guy that you wanted to know more about because he was so like, you know, intriguing, right? Mm-hmm. And because he didn't speak a lot. He didn't speak a lot of words, but his, just his allure left right, right. wanting more, you know? I think it's tough to be in a scenario where you're the friend and you're trying to, like, it's either you don't even see the signs or you don't clue into the signs. Yeah. Or on the other hand, um, you know what's going on like you in your situation. Yeah. So yeah, no, to come back to yeah. what to do. Um, well, I'm not a health professional. All I can say is if, if ever somebody's in that scenario, um, that scenario sucks. <laughs> so, and um, 
I don't know what today in today's age, like, I think you have to like go to somebody that you really trust, not another friend that knows that friend. You got to go, I don't know. You got to figure it out to, to help that person. You don't want it to be too late. Mm-hmm. Right. That's for now, sure. Now is there anything when you were going through your stuff, is there any lines or anything you wish that people would have asked you or told you to help you feel better or is there anything you wish you'd hear that you didn't or did people were people really willing to help you man that's a good question too uh i was very much alone okay in my depression i didn't share it with no one and Mm -hmm. um i tried to hide it from the people i loved yeah. And nobody was really there. Okay. So you were the silent the silent type that nobody really noticed the signs. Yeah. I think some okay. people knew that mm-hmm. I was struggling, that I wasn't myself. Yeah. And I might have made a few cries for help, but they weren't either either they weren't picked up or the people didn't know how to deal with it. Yeah. Because I wasn't open enough. So the person with the issues has a huge responsibility in that as well. So the friend, the friend should maybe question that friend and say, okay, you don't want me to talk to anybody about it, but tell me this, what do you want as an outcome for this, for you? Right. You want to yeah. keep self-harming and just lead yourself to the point that you're going to end up killing yourself? Is that what you want? I don't know. I'm just asking because you don't want me to share this with anybody. You don't want me to talk to anybody about it. Yet you're putting me in a predicament right now that I need to know what your plan is. Okay. Because you're okay, my friend. So. I love you. I care for you. And I'm not going to just watch you self-harm yourself and not try to do something about it, right? So yeah. if somebody, I think, I think that <clears throat> if somebody would have done that to me, I would have snapped out earlier. It wouldn't have lasted okay. three years. So it's a, what you're saying is it's okay to be a bit, not necessarily blunt, but just forward with them and being like, you know, saying like, in a way, I know what's going on. I know what you're doing. Um, yeah, that's just my opinion, in, 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 though. In not so much. Okay, okay. Right? That's, not, that's just my opinion. Of course. Of um, course. Yeah, yeah. Of having been on, on the side of, I think if somebody would have came up to me and kind of snapped it out of me and said, okay, well, what do you want to do then? Because I know you're not doing, you're, you're not going well. You know, yeah. you're, you're fucking high 24 hours a day. You're not yourself. So right. what's your plan? What's your fucking plan? How are you going to get out of this? You know? Right. Um, okay. I don't know. Maybe it would, I think it would have, I think it would have, it, it would, if it would, if it's the right friend, that intimacy level is there. I think, I think it's a good thing to do that. Yeah. Especially if somebody tells you something and tells you like, please don't share this with anyone, but like, you know, I've been cutting myself or I've been, I'm bulimic or I'm thinking about suicide or this and that. And you like, you're the quote unquote only one that knows. Well, then, yeah, you should probably fucking confront that person. Yeah. I think. Yeah. And then sometimes without them seeing it, that's all they almost want you to seek help for them because they don't have the strength to maybe sometimes. I would assume. I don't know. 
can certainly be uh, that 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 scenario too, like a cry for help. And but I think as a friend, we we have respons- responsibilities for each other. Yeah, and we should try at least to do something. And, yeah, uh, and if they don't want to, if if they if you want to respect their wishes and not talk to anybody about it, um, unless you really really feel the need, like the last resort. I think yeah. confronting the person and saying, okay, well, give me a plan. What do you plan on? Like, do you think this is okay, what you're doing? No, no but it's my way of coping. Well, yeah, okay, well, you know, and I know that it's not the right way to cope. Don't get me wrong, at 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, and that happens at those ages. Um, n- not, sorry, not, ev- not every friend knows how to handle that scenario. You can't expect that from an 11, 12, 13-year-old, like, as as a reflex no no but that's if, more uh, but if there's on. an 11 a 12 or a 13 year old kid listening with their parents right now in the car and they're ever facing that scenario at least they know that the best thing to do would probably be to like literally confront your friend and put a plan together for them yeah. not just yeah. be that ear because if you lend an ear that's great and if if you have a shoulder to lean on that's great but at one point if you're the only one that knows and they're asking you not to tell anyone, then you should probably make a plan with them. <laughs> yeah. Especially if God forbid um, the situation turns to the worst, um, the guilt that that one friend who knew that person's secret would have would be tremendous. I would imagine the friend, uh, the friend becomes the victim. Yeah. The friend that was supposed to care and that was supposed to be the only one to hold a secret and this and that and the other thing becomes a legit victim yeah. for life. So yeah. you're better off. And I don't care if you're 11 or if you're fucking 43 and this happens to you. Um, it doesn't matter what age. If you're in that scenario and you have a friend or somebody, fucking do something about it. Yeah, you know, because it's a, it's a, it's a matter of can be a matter of time, and you need yeah. to have a plan for that person, and, and 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 you can't do the work for them. There's no way that you can do the work for them. There's no way yeah. that uh, you can help them if they don't want to help. But at least throw it out there and say like, "What's your fucking plan?" Because if you're telling me you don't want me to share this with anyone, you need to give me a plan. Because like these type of scenarios are like nine one one scenario. Oh yeah. You know what I mean? Definitely. So I'm cool with not calling nine one one and holding off, but you need to give me a we need to have a plan together for you yeah. to get out of this because surely you don't want to stay yeah. in this mindset. That's right. Yeah. Does that make sense? Absolutely. <clears throat> I am Absolutely. not a doctor, so don't I would love to ask a doctor um, to weigh in on that opinion. And, you know, I know a lot of doctors and, but I also know that there's a lot of doctors out there. So if this falls in the hands of a counselor, a, or a psychologist, a psychiatrist, somebody in the field, please contact me, martybmanagement at gmail.com. All my infos in the description, please contact me. I would love to do a show with you. Any professionals in any domain, I love picking your brain. But I appreciate that you listened to all the shows so far. And yeah. um, 
I, they're they're great. I mean, I I think like I said in my email, I think doing such a show that's titled you know everyday issues for everyday people, you're gonna reach out to so many people who can connect or relate to the topics you are bringing on. And uh, I think that's wonderful. We need some more of that because often on TV or on the media, we're fed, you know, mm. shows with no content. That's mm. just, uh, you know, fill holes, uh, fill the time, but they have no meaning or content. So wow. something like your podcast that, you know, your radio show right now or your musical podcast you did with the boys, it connects to people. It does something. It's beneficial. It's... So I, I just think that that's wonderful on its own. In the world, there's so many real people and you just got to tap into the pockets of real people and, um, yeah. and just have conversation, dialogue. It's, it's vital. It's vital, important. Yeah. You know, humanity yeah. is now and, and we're pushing in a direction that's technology-based and that's, that's really like AI and all that stuff. And we still need to yeah. keep our humanity alive. And That's right conversate and and you know chat about shit yeah uh, shoot the shit and i mean we've got the technology like you said so you know we just need to reach out just just reaching out starting by that it, yeah. it makes a big difference yeah exactly and it can make uh you know a difference in a person's day a person's life you know, mm -hmm. whichever yeah. And uh, yeah, I got a lot of great shows coming and you're going to be one of the great shows as well. This was a fun discussion. I think oh, it's you. important to tap into all the stories like, you know, yeah. because when you told me you were a military um, child, I, I thought right automatically, I thought of my friend Isabel in junior high school. Okay. It was like, she was fucking awesome. And, and I still keep in touch with her. Well, I don't keep in touch, but we're on Facebook. So at least I, I see yeah. her and I know what's up with her. She's okay. And she's good. But yeah. yeah, they were a military family. And it was like my first experience with going into a military home because they were all like the same type of homes, you know? Yeah. Um, oh yeah. Yeah. And then like feeling like, Oh my God, when the father was present, it was like, he, you know, her father wasn't an asshole, but he wasn't present a lot because he was gone and this and that. But when he yeah. was around, it was like there was another command, like there was another vibe. Yeah. Um, yeah. Isabel was crazy. She was awesome. Like, she, you know, she had a lot of spunk, a lot of life. So I'd mm -hmm. love perhaps this conversation with you might instigate a conversation uh, of me messaging her and saying, hey, we should chat about like, how your youth was as you know having to move and move and move because they moved from one yeah. base they came to Moncton and then like two years later they moved to another base so like I just knew her for a period of time right yeah and oh, this is this this is Canada and this is US and this is military stories and there are yeah. a shit ton of military you know and I've been lucky North enough America. that I, I've only been to Ontario and Quebec. Some people have been different countries. So that's even a bigger challenge, I can imagine, because you don't know the language, you don't know the people, like the culture. Uh, True. So I can just, it'd be, yeah, it'd be interesting to, yeah. 
Yeah, well, I might tap into uh, another conversation at one point or another with somebody, but um, it's it's very interesting. And everybody does have a story. And uh, this is why it it was uh, important for me when you sent me that email. Uh, I said, well, if she has time to to send me that email and and share those thoughts with me, I think we could make a show together. So I appreciate you having uh, taken some time out of your evening to hang out with me and create an episode and uh, I hope that people appreciate the, the uh, perspective and the angle that we came in. Um, you know, there's a lot of military families out there from the front lines, God love them to the pencil pushers. Everyone has worth in our military. Yes. So yes. thank Agreed. everyone for your service. And if you see a serviceman or service woman from the military, thank them, uh, show them love and, Everybody, just uh, if you have a little bit of love, spread it around the world. This, this is time for us to start caring a bit more about each other and um, just, you know, being there for each other a bit more. So, uh, you know, thanks again, Caroline, for joining me. My pleasure, Marty. And I and look forward to hearing uh, your future episodes and all the topics and people you're going to be helping out in the future um you know with with uh, your kind words and your help and your devotion to your your show thank you very much the good vibe show also has a facebook page that you can follow so please follow take care have a good day see you next time thanks again caroline bye-bye you're welcome marty and that's a wrap this was marty for the good vibes show with marty b Tuning out.